Welcome to the Crypto Trader Podcast with your host, Jacob Canfield. What's up, guys? Welcome to the Crypto Trader Podcast, episode number two. I've got an esteemed guest, one of the most brilliant minds in crypto, in my opinion, uh, David Puel. He's an on-chain analytics expert, as well as co-founder of Adaptive Capital, Adaptive, uh, which, which is a hedge fund that focuses on on-chain analytics and trading mostly Bitcoin um, using various different strategies. Um, so, David, welcome to the show, and I'm super excited to have you. Um, do you want to just give a little intro to my viewers and listeners? Yeah, sure. I uh, appreciate the invite, uh, Jacob. So, yeah, so I'm head of research at Adaptive Capital uh, with my partners, Murad um, Mahmudov and Willy Wu. Uh, we launched just July 1st, two weeks ago at current date, and we're pretty excited. We're like getting a a sense of the market. I've been uh, full-time uh, trading uh, crypto, mostly Bitcoin, for a little over two years now uh, and almost a year of Forex before that. Uh, I started with, you know, you know, just trading TA, half of TA, and then moved almost a year ago with the invention of MBRV ratio, which is a pretty well-known indicator in the space now. Um, just started to you know obsess and develop several um, new indicators based on what you said is uh, on-chain analytics, which is pretty much taking data science off the blockchain, information off the blockchain, and you know trying to develop trading signals off of that. So that's pretty much what we're doing right now. Um, pretty focused on the market, very tricky market to start a, a fund, but. We, we're confident that, um, you know, um, we're confident in, in our approach and we're pretty excited. So uh, for, for people, for new listeners and, and maybe for people that have been in the space a long time, I mean, I've talked to a lot of people, I've met, I mean, thousands and thousands of people through, through my different channels. Some people don't really know what on-chain analytics means. They don't know what UTXO means. Do you, do you want to just kind of give like a baseline summary of of what, you know, and, and maybe some, some resources where, where they can just start, you know, looking at that kind of stuff like Block Explorer, Woonomics, and some of these sites. I know Adaptive Capital has some really good resources. Um, do you want to just give a basic ex explanation of, of how you view on-chain analytics and, and UTXO and just kind of some of those basic terms? For sure. So on-chain analytics, as applied to Bitcoin, uh, pretty much tries to get several factors data series, you could say, out of the accounting system that Bitcoin is based on, which is the UTXO system, you know. So based on that, you can track several things. For instance, transaction volume, which is pretty important, right? Uh, we may delve into a few charts later on. Um, the, the pioneer of on-chain analytics in, 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 in the space is Willy Wu, which is partner adaptive. And... Um, he a few years ago, I think it was, if I'm not mistaken, back in 2014 or so, and maybe published uh, at about 2016 or 17. I don't remember. I think that's when I first saw it was 2016. Yeah, exactly. That's when it all became like very public. And he developed an indicator called NVT ratio, which is network value to transactions ratio. And it's pretty much it was based on his initial notion that um, you can actually match the network value, aka the market cap, uh, and divide that by 
the transaction volume in USD through the blockchain on a daily basis, right? So when you measure that and smooth it out, you know, with a moving average or a median, you get a sense of cycles in the market. And, you know, he started to notice that whenever we had uh, low transaction volume with respect to market cap or price, um, that would lead as an indicator for further downside, right? Because if you're already in a bear market and you have low transaction volume, you have low velocity to apply an economic term uh, on the blockchain. And that would mean that, you know, the network is not being used for sure. That's one aspect, but also that perhaps whales are not accumulating as much as you would like, right? New buyers are not coming in and you can make first principles the assumption that, um, that the, the, the price is overvalued and hence it's going to come down, especially because of the lack, lack of, um, you know, interest in the asset. And, and, the, and since Bitcoin is so reflexive, um, you need that, you know, that spark that gets the FOMO in. Uh, yeah. That spark ne never comes up during the bear market, so we keep collapsing. But afterward, after a while, the reflexivity comes back, transaction volume picks up a little early, um, and then, you know, price follows. Uh, so that's the now when you when you say so reflexivity is something that I look for quite a bit that reflexive volume you can see that on the NVT chart like you can see that reflexive volume in, in the in the fact that like transactions are accelerating as as market cap is maybe going down is is it kind of like a it, can you see uh, divergences similar to other oscillators I know I know the NVT is not an oscillator but like so price goes down but NVT starting to creep up is that like maybe a yeah well. Technically, NVT, you know, uh, NVT, the formula is net value to transaction. So it's market cap divided by transaction volume in USD. If you remove price from numerator and denominator, you have velocity, which is like just to invert that. Remove um, price and you get supply divided by transaction volume in BTC. And that gives you velocity, right? Pretty much the velocity, uh, the rate at which... Uh, BTC coins are exchanged through the blockchain. You, you, and it's pretty much an oscillator. Uh, Willie did an, a whole article about why, at the early stages, it was the data was kind of skewed. But by now, you can assume it's a pretty neat oscillator that gives you oversold and um, not uh, not overbought, but at least normal conditions. That the oscillator travels between normal conditions and oversold during the bear markets. And um, you can, um, that gives you a sense of whenever you, you get divergences. So you can actually see velocity decreasing at the late stages of uh, the, the bull market. You saw it at the top of 20, November 2013 and December 2017. Um, you already have a lower high, you could say. On and on velocity, as opposed to price, which kept making higher highs. Higher highs, yeah. And that, yeah, signaled the the weakness. Um, and you know, the, it also signaled that pretty much the um, transaction volume was mostly affected by retail um, irrational exuberance and all that stuff. Yeah, absolutely. So tell me about the evolution from NVT. Like I, you know, you came out with the MV uh, MV. Uh, MVRV? 
MVRV. Yeah, I always say MVTRV because there's always the T2 in the middle. MVRV. Um, but yeah, so you came out with the MVRV, which I use, which is a, an amazing indicator. Kind of, kind of give me that evolution and kind of what, uh, I think you said you saw like a talk or, or something at a, a specific conference with the realized cap or something like. Yeah, yeah so pretty much uh, it was Riga, the Riga conference last year. I think that was September, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, Nick Carter, also a pioneer in the field, um, he and Antoine Le Calvé, uh, and also with, with a, little bit of, a little bit of conceptual uh, credit to Pierre Rochard, who actually came up uh, with the idea or asked the question in the first place, and then Nick and Antoine developed it. Um, they created something which, in my opinion, is pretty important, which is realized cap. So realized cap is as opposed to market cap, in which you multiply just price uh, times volume, right? And that gives you the um, uh, and that gives you an aggregate of valuation of the whole asset. Realized cap measures the coin, the UTXO, but let's call them coins for UTX, UTXO for for you guys that are watching and you guys are listening. UTXO is unspent transaction output right exactly and yeah, yeah. So, so so do you want to do you want to delve into just what utxo means for those that aren't listening so it's pretty much the accounting system that satoshi developed for bitcoin and it gives you on, on the public ledger it gives you a way to read how much bitcoin was transacted from one address to the other yeah that's basically it, it as simple as that and based on that you can develop things like, well, for instance, you can get transaction volume, which is quite uh, self-evident. You, you count uh, in, in CoinMetrics, which is the industry standard for you know, uh, blockchain analytics right now. They have a few heuristics and estimates that filter out, let's say, rotation you know, between uh, addresses to, to avoid the, the data getting skewed. Uh, but in the other part, um, whatever the heuristics filters out as a true transaction of value in the blockchain, it measures it and that gets, um, you know, presented or re represented on the NVT or the other indicators. So what Realize Cap does specifically is just, um, as opposed to, you know, counting each coin at current price, it counts each coin or UTXO at the last time it was moved. Yeah. So let's say I, give, I send the Bitcoin to you, Jacob, and um, the price at the time was you know, 10K or something, right? So what the calculation that the Conmetrics team uh, does, it, they stamped price on that transaction and that gets aggregated uh, and it develops um, what Nick Carter called very, um, astutely, uh, a VWAP of Bitcoin in on-chain terms. A VWAP is a volume-weighted average price, right? Yeah. So it gives you a sense of, you know, first principles in aggregate and on average, what was, where is the market on the water uh, whenever you have a bear market? So uh, historically what happens is, you have market price collapsing, 
you know, 80% to 90% corrections during bear markets, whatever, right? We're, we're all used to that. But the interesting part about, you know, watching Nick's conference was that whenever you had a bear market, almost at the, you know, near the bottom, price collapsed, stayed for a few months uh, below realized gap, you know, the on-chain view up. And that served as a very good region to accumulate bitcoins. You know, go heavy on on positions and and, and so on. So, so we saw. For, so, so for your MVRV, as well as the realized cap, I mean, th there's there's differences between the both. Would you say that's the those are good metrics for accumulation then for people that are wondering when should I buy Bitcoin and hodl it? You know, cause that, cause everyone's uh, has this hodl mentality. I was screaming kind of from the rooftops, you know, buy near the 200 week moving average, you know, that that's yeah. been my, that's been my like metric from like 20, you know, whatever. So when we were at 20, 30, you know, 3,200 to 3,500 and we were <laughs> it, I was screaming from the rooftops. This is the best time as a hodler to buy and hold. Cause now buying in, it's a tough range to buy in because you know, mm -hmm. We're, we're kind of in, in, uh, in rooftop territory, you know, like, you know, we're, we're mid range where at, from a holder perspective, that's really hard to say, Hey, buy and hold now because the, the, the times that Bitcoin has been above 10,000 has been very minute in comparison to its, you know, full, full, full time span, but, you know, waiting for a pullback can sometimes get very sleepy. So, so yeah, so explain a little bit about the, that accumulation zone when, and using MVRV and, and, and realize cap. I know the MVRV is a little bit more of an evolution on it. So let's just talk about your MVRV and, and kind of how, how that shows um, uh, accumulation. If you want to pull up a chart too, you can also do that. Yeah. In fact, uh, let me, let me just look, give me just a second. And you said a really, really awesome quote that I kind of want to put everything in context. Um, uh, you, he's got some really great articles on Medium. I would encourage you guys to go on there, check them out. Uh, make sure you give them some claps on there. Uh, very, very, very cool articles and, and papers on there. But you wrote a really cool, uh, there's a couple quotes, but uh, it's called Market Dichotomy. And, I'm just, and I'll just share my screen and I'll, and I'll show this here because it's a, it's a brilliant little piece of, uh, where am I at here? There we go. Okay. So I'm going to put this over here. So market dichotomy, a theoretical framework for this ratio would echo a dichotomy that can be expressed in the following speculators versus hodlers, high time, high time frame preference versus low time preference as argued by safety and Amos in chapter five of the Bitcoin standard, irrational exuberance versus uncertainty acclimation. So he wrote this paragraph and I, and I highlighted this. I really like this. We believe that both market concepts and participants are crucial for Bitcoin, Bitcoin's game theory and price action since the booms seem to expand the network via an exuberant viral gospel mechanism that broadcasts the existence of Bitcoin to the world population, while the busts in the long run seem to reward individuals who chose to delay short-term financial gratification in the search for sound money. This very dichotomy, in our opinion, also explains the relevance and effectiveness of MVRV ratio. So that, that kind of puts a little bit of context. So it's, so it's basically giving you 
a peek into both the speculators versus the holders. So the people that are trading it, maybe maybe the the traders, the short term uh, investors, versus uh, the high time frame and the low time frame uh, preference people. So some people are looking at this from a 10, 20, 30, 40, maybe generational perspective. It's sound money versus you know fiat. Maybe it's a hedge against economic collapse. And then you got the irrational exuberance versus uncertainty acclimation. So it's, it's a very interesting context for, for where to put the MVRV ratio. And I think that you said it really well yourself. So I just kind of wanted to, to get that. Now, now you can share your chart and kind of give a little bit more of the, uh, the exact details on how that works. But I, I really liked how you phrased that. Awesome. Let me share the screen. So yeah, we, we pretty much, um, Murad and me, wrote, uh, we wrote that article. We co-authored co MVRV ratio together. We're pretty much creators. Uh, okay, I'm showing the screen right now. Can you see it? Yeah. Perfect. So this is MVRV ratio, and we worked on it on the, you know, when we noticed that realized gap uh, when Nick Carter gave the conference, um, we noticed that it was interesting that market price always delved below um, realized price, you could say, because you, you could calculate realized price just by dividing um, uh, realized gap by supply, right? You just yeah. get the price of it. It's pretty pretty simple. So this is how MVRV ratio looks. And as you can see, it's just a ratio of market price and realized price. It's just a simple division. So, then, so I want to kind of explain your chart here. So there's a yellow line and that's the price of Bitcoin. Then exactly. You have a dashed line, that's the 200 day daily moving average, correct? Correct. And then there's a, there's a basically an oscillator below it, and that's the MVRV ratio, which exactly. is the market value to realized value ratio. So the so the realized value is what he's talking about. This Nick Carter concept of when the coin was transacted um, last, and it timestamps it, and it gives you a market capitalization based on the number of Bitcoin in existence, based on the last price they they traded at, versus uh, the actual real, the, the market capitalization of the price at the time. So, uh, now you can, now you can kind of delve in a little bit on kind of what we're looking at from there. So Willis interpretation, um, on realized gap was actually that, uh, realized gap. It's like an aggregate, the average out of which the whole market bought its coins. So whenever, you have market price go below realized cap, you by definition have capitulation because on average, the whole market is on the water, right? Interesting. The yeah. Whole market so majority is the majority of the market. Yeah. Cause they bought, they bought at a, uh, a, a higher price than the market capitalization shows or, or the, the last time it was transferred to them, it was a. Exactly. So on, let's say this is an average, of course. So there's a lot of people who, who bought in, you know, 2016, they, they're doing well, but there's also a lot of people who bought, you know, pretty much the blow off top or whatever. So you take the average of that and that gives you realized cap as the average of the purchases that, um, that were performed on the asset during the last bull run. Right. And that gives you a basis. So as you can see, it's, um, the, the one line here, it's signal because that means it signals whenever market price goes below realized price. So whenever it's below one, which is here, here, and here, as you can see, it's pretty much the best spots out of which you can at least as a holder, 
dollar cost average into the asset and pretty much outperform <laughs> any other thing, right? What's interesting about this is a lot of people use the daily moving average, the 200 day moving average as bear and bull and when to accumulate and all that stuff. This, when looking at the chart, you would have been very much underwater because, you know, Bitcoin was in the $11,000 range and still under the 200 day moving average uh, or, you know, back in, in 2018. Yeah. But the NV, but the MVRV ratio is showing basically from 3,800 to, you know, 3,800 to 3,200 on your chart was the best time to accumulate. Exactly. So in the last cycle, we went below it at the pretty much at the collapse from 6k on, in november we crossed it like knife through butter and we stayed there for you know till april so it was from about three months uh, most people would have had to pretty much buy the bottom or dca the bottom um and last side DCA, he means a dollar cost average so maybe you're putting in uh, you know, let's say you've got $100,000 that you want to get into Bitcoin. Well, maybe you're just putting it in every week um, at whatever price that is. Um, or maybe you're just adding as, you know, each price level moves down every $200 when you're below on that MVRV ratio. So you've identified uh, an accumulation zone. You don't know where the bottom's at. Don't try and time the bottom, just kind of dollar cost average. And that's what he means by DCA for those that are kind of listening. Exactly. That, that applies mostly to non-traders, just, you know, long-term investors. So... Um, what, what, what was very significant this time around is that, you know, last time we went below it and stayed in the accumulation or capitulation zone, you could say, we stayed for almost a year, right? And this time around, uh, the whole structure pretty much got front run as, you know, trillion dollar would say. We are extremely in an extremely bullish activity near all time highs uh, in a parabolic structure that if it surpasses all-time highs, it would be, you know, extremely, extremely bullish. So um, the pattern, as you can see it right now, it's pretty much looking more like 2011, 2012 region as opposed to 2014 and 15. Um, the whole structure right here is getting front run by, my guess, you know, institutions, um, especially getting exposure through hedge funds like our own. Um, and then, you know, um, so the pattern right now in terms of realized gap and just price action in general is quite atypical for, for, you know, even Bitcoin. Um, and that's, that's the, that's been the hardest part as a trader because the best play has really been to hold and not try and short, not try and bi-directionally trade this thing because it's a freight train. Um, exactly. you know. So let me show you a view of Realize Gap so viewers can get a sense of how it looks on the chart. So if you're listening on the podcast, this is at charts.wubull.com. And this is, uh, this is an incredible site built by uh, Willie Wu, uh, one of the pioneers of on-chain analytics. He's been doing this a very, very long time and a partner at Adaptive Capital. Uh, but they've got all of these uh, ratios and on-chain analytic charts on uh, this website, but that will be in the show notes for you guys. So, uh, yeah, so continue for me. So here's the realized cap. Yeah. So this is realized cap, the, the orange line here, as you can see, it looks, if you're fluent in, in trading a little bit, you can see it looks pretty similar to a, a VWAP, right? I mean, yeah. VWAPs are mo mostly used for intradaily uh, stuff, 
but this is like a historical, uh, very long-term view up of the price. As you can see, it spikes a lot and follows price uh, very neatly during the, the bull markets. But then when you have a bear market, like here, 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 three, three as of now, uh, price, market price penetrates it to the downside, and then it explodes back after, you know, smart money accumulates. So this is realized cap. Let me show you another version that on wonder developed as an alternate version that I think I like even more, especially for precise trading, which is the MVRV C score. It's pretty much just, uh, for, for the viewers, it's, um, an MVRV ratio, but adjusted for volatility, right? Uh, interesting. Okay. Yeah. So C scores are adjust volatility of the market and give you a very neat sense of overbought and oversold. So you can actually use this for not only bottoms, but also tops. As you can see that the region of accumulation is pretty, it gave the bottom pretty much at the wicks of the prior cycles and look at the tops, right? It gives you pretty much every single market top as of now, right? Yeah. Or you can, you know, you can also suggest uh, distribution regions like this one, which is above the 0 0.7, 0 what's, .8. What's the range? It, it goes from? It goes from point, uh, point, point 0.3 and the, the highest point it's gotten is 13.2. Okay. Uh, yeah, this is just a, a simple, you know, ratio. So the, the numbers are just uh, ratioed in. Yeah. And pretty much you can use it the same way. You know, it suggests the accumulation region below one. Well, in this case, below, below the, yeah, below one. And then, but it gives you a little bit more edge on the wicks, right? Not yeah. exact, but it gives you a very nice place to put your, your bets in and at least uh, compare historically where it would be a good uh, zone to buy in. Yeah. Uh, and also it gives you the tops very well. <clears throat> and that's precisely the, the intent of giving you this. So it, it gives you the tops with 95% accuracy, statistical accuracy, according to On Wonder. Um, on Wonder, unfortunately, just uh, quit Twitter and Medium, so his articles are lost. Uh, we're trying to rescue them. I wonder if you're out there, <laughs> come back, bro. <laughs> so what did it, what he quit? You said he, he left Twitter, um, uh, a while ago and we, and he was, uh, one of the best analysts in the space. So we, we've been trying to reach out to him. So <laughs> hey, if you're, if you're listening, come back, man, we're, yeah, we're come back, reach out, bro. So anyway, uh, he, based on our work, he developed the, the, Volatility adjusted version, which is this one. And I think the, uh, this precise version, the MVRVC score, is one of my favorite indicators in all, in all Bitcoin on-chain analytics. MVRVZ. Um, yeah. Which is, so which, is, you, which is showing that we're not anywhere near a top. Uh, no. Even at the... In terms of mean reversion, even though we're in a parabolic structure, in terms of historical mean reversion, we're nowhere near a top, not even a, a, a mid 2013 top, which is this one. Yeah. That's, I mean, that's what I keep saying too. And people kind of look at me like a little sideways, you know, I had, I had 30 to $40,000 as a potential intermediate top, you know? Yeah. And that's, if we go to all time high, I mean, FOMO is going to kick in right quick and 
that's a credible target, 50k or so. And you know, the, the ultimate blow off top of this whole parabolic run can go between 100k to 150k, in my opinion. But let's see, it's too early to tell at the moment. Yeah. Uh, anyway, um, so yeah, this is MVRVC score. And then let me go through another uh, few models that. Let me give uh, your viewers uh, a take on MVRV ratio, which we, we've mentioned a little bit. So this is MVRV ratio uh, smoothed out with- Oh, NV NVT? Sorry, yeah, MVT ratio, the network value to transaction ratio, which is pretty much inverse velocity, right? So as you can see, you can get a threshold, a sense of a threshold here. Whenever we go with top, we have a blow off top right here. Well, this, this part right here is a little bit skewed and you can check the article on whoopal.com on why this part right here is pretty skewed. But when the oscillator normalizes, you can see that whenever we have a blow off top, very like a month later, very, a month or two later. You get a regression of transactions. You get, yeah, an oversold. So in this perspective, you know, market cap is too high in comparison with transaction volume, right? And hence, you have a, a full bear market that if you see, and that right here, which is the accumulation zone where, you know, on-chain started to pick up and then you have the momentum for the next bull run. The shifts, yeah. What we're seeing right now, and also you have a very, very neat bottom signature right here when you can actually see a little bit of capitulation, even on chain, you have it here as well for the bottom, pretty much to the center, right here and here. And this region doesn't go to, to normal conditions, but it then progressively goes into them. Now, what we're seeing, and it's quite a typical, um, we're seeing that price, I'm guessing, uh, given a lot of shifts in, in the space, one of them is BitMix, for sure. Uh, and, you know, the spe speculative uh, momentum dr driven by very high leverage der der derivatives, etc. So you can see that we, in on-chain terms, we, we haven't even seen a true reaccumulation. Now, maybe uh, OTC desks and custodianships are taking a part of that because a lot of transaction uh, transaction volume that otherwise would be uh, presented on the blockchain, maybe it's just a change in the database right now. But even in that case, right, even in that case, you need um, reaccumulation period when NVT goes to normal conditions below this line right here, the 50 line. And um, then you, you can get like a reaccumulation period out of which the bull market progresses, um, you know, Parabolic yeah, we, we, we haven't had that since 2017. We our, our, our NVT has been above that line the whole time. I think that's what, uh, as I recall, I think that's what threw Murad off too, right? Because he was expecting um, lower levels because the NVT hadn't really reset. I mean, that was one of the analytics that I think he was looking at or something like that. Yeah, yeah, NVT. And also, um, um, we, we had a chance to, to look at the... Um, Newcon metrics estimates were, which were pretty much more accurate. Um, the, the former metrics that were being used were uh, blockchain.info. Um, 
And with the appliance of the new heuristics, biometrics, the, the whole thing became a, a, a much better picture of what, what was going on. And irrespective of that, right, um, realize uh, MVRV ratio and uh, another indicator that I developed, with, which was called Delta Cap. Yeah, that yeah. was what I wanted to get into next was the Delta Cap, because that was, uh, I found that one really interesting, because that one kind of helped identify the bottom, yeah, pretty much the, 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 the bottom to the, to the tick. You know? Yeah, let me show you the, the Delta Cap right, right now. So, so the Delta cap for those that are, that are listening, um, this is an interesting model and there's an article about this as well, but the Delta cap is, uh, the realized cap, what we were talking about before, uh, minus the average cap. Um, this, this kind of helps to just to give viewers uh, an idea of what that is. So you see the, you can look at this on price model section on wibble.com, by the way, for the audio listeners so you have the orange line which is realized cap uh, I just described and then you have average cap which would be the mean of market cap or of price if you'd say how, you, how do you calculate it it's simple instead of doing a 200 day moving average right you do a life to date moving average so instead of adding up the, the last 200 days and dividing them dividing them by 200, you add the, the closing price of the whole history of price in Bitcoin and divide it by the whole, the total number of days the price of Bitcoin has been in existence, right? So it's a, you know, a cumulative life to date, moving average, a mean, let's say, of the price or market cap of Bitcoin. So it's more, uh, I would say uh, comparatively to like a 200 day moving average, it's just more reactive and realistic. It's more um, re reflexive of the actual market rather than a 200 day statistical average. You know, it's, it's, it's the whole, it's the whole average, which is. Yeah, it's, it's the actual mean, the actual mean of, of, of price or market cap historically. Right. So yes. it lags, as you can see, this is the, the dotted line, the dotted orange red line. You, you see here, that's average cap. And as you can see, it increasingly uh, comes away from price because it's counting, it's lagging, and it's counting the early days of Bitcoin's existence. So whenever price goes up and up and up, um, the, um, the, the average cap, remains steady because it's still accounting very early days of price action right so what i did was pretty much try to find a way to adjust realize cap to catch the bottoms that was the main goal right and what i did was subtract the line above which is realize cap the orange line from that subtract the average cap which is the dotted line right here and the result of that is delta cap which is this line right here. And as you can see, it pretty much gives you the bottoms almost to the cent. Um, and af after this, I developed the, the, the simple MVRV ratio, which is um, a, another cool indicator that gives you the bottoms to the cent. So whenever you have market price touch uh, delta price, uh, you can pretty much catch the bottom. 100x uh, longs. 
Yeah, you can you can hundred <laughs> x on Bitmix, or you know, give give yourself some stops or whatever. But you you can you can make let's say a riskier buy if you if you will. Yeah, right? You can you can you can weight your portfolio entry higher. Exactly. Um, uh, along this uh, along the delta cap ratio because of its historical accuracy because your risk reward becomes much more skewed at that point. Um, just based exactly. on statistics. You already have the accumulation region given by Delta cap. Maybe you can increase a little bit more of your position whenever market price actually touches Delta price. Of course, a lot of these metrics on the long term may get um, skewed uh, a little bit. Yeah, exactly. Especially when, you know, light network, custodianships, um, side chains get a lot more traffic and a lot of this uh, transaction volume or UTXO count doesn't get registered directly on the blockchain. Yeah, uh, that's, that, that was kind of another kind of conversation that, that we, we can delve to that kind of in the end. Uh, maybe, maybe you like some, some forensic modeling down the road. What, what are your thoughts sure. on lightning networks and stuff like that? But Okay, so, so that's the delta cap. And then another indicator that I, I really enjoyed was the average dormancy. That was a, that was a pretty fantastic. Um, For sure. Let me open the, my Medium account to, to show the chart. Yeah. So here, here's what, what it tries to capture. Um, you get the transaction volume. Let's say Jacob sends a Bitcoin to me, right? And I keep that, I keep that Bitcoin and for five days, right? I hold it for five, just five days. And then I send that to Bob, right? Yep. Whenever that transaction gets executed on the blockchain, that Bitcoin gets multiplied times five. Why? Because it was holded for five days, right? So what Coindesk destroyed is it pretty much captures the amount of time a coin has been held and then released uh, into another address, right? So that's, that's the gist of Coindesk Destroyed. Um, what, what Reggie came up with, which was pretty ingenious, is was dividing Coindesk Destroyed by, by volume, transaction volume on chain. And this is the formula. It's very simple. Destruction, we call it destruction or AKA Coindesk destroyed divided by volume or transaction volume. And that pretty much on average removes the coin part of the denominator and it just gives you the time, the average number of days since on aggregate during that day, uh, the UTXOs were last spent. This is a chart of that. Bitcoin dormancy. Yeah. As you can see, whenever we are near a blow off top, you get a lot of destruction relative to volume. So there's some, a lot of days, you know, a lot of time, a lot of holding being spent, realized, or destroyed at the tops, right? We are, I actually did this, uh, this matrix, matrix, which is, you know, an accumulation. Whenever you have accumulation, the value is lower, right? You enter into a bear market. So now holders are actually holding and not spending their Bitcoins because they don't want to lose, uh, you know, their, their value, right? They, they want to hold it off, right? So destruction actually comes down, dormancy comes down. 
and then volume picks up at this accumulation region and this accumulation region, and then it, the bull run explodes again. And now that you know we already are above all-time highs, the bull the bull run is in effect. You know, people get exuberant, even holders, right? They start spending. You know, they get their margaritas or whatever, and they they literally they're, start they're Lambos. Yeah, yeah, they get the Lambos and they actually start to, you know, you know, um, sell their bags into the, you know, dumber money, you could say. So that's pretty much the, the idea of dormancy. Uh, as a rule of thumb, you can check it out on the, on the article. You know, the high, high destruction is bearish because a lot of spending behavior is, is being performed by all hands, aka smart money or, you know, holders. And destruction in itself, low destruction is neutral because, yes, that means that holders are holding in the bear markets, but it doesn't necessarily imply that buyers are buying yet. So whenever you see a low destruction volume, that doesn't mean you're, you should be buying, you know, um, this is not financial advice, by the way, but it doesn't imply that you should be buying like crazy, you know? Right. Then you have volume, which is neutral when it's high. Why? Because, I mean... It, you, you could assume that it, it's good high volume because, you know, the network is being used. But it also implies that it's neutral because there's a lot of buyers and sellers, you know. For every buyer, there's a seller. So it implies that there's a lot of activity and also, you know, high, very high volume, even in traditional markets, implies sometimes that's correlated with a lot of volatility and that's, is there a uh, is there an indicator that people can kind of go to see this, or do they need to kind of uh, calculate this out for themselves? The dormancy, you mean dormancy chart? Yeah. Uh, dormancy is not not publicly available. Maybe later on we will uh, release it, but the formula is pretty pretty simple to calculate. You can get um, on on the free version. If you have a CoinMetrics Pro, you can get days destroyed and um, um, and transaction volume. Uh, yeah. it, no, and, no. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Sorry. And in other case, you can get uh, days destroyed from blockchair.com, I think. That's freely available. And transaction volume, maybe from Conmetrics, I would recommend, but it's quite tricky. So most, so most of your uh, analytics comes from Coinmetrics then? That's our main data source uh, as of now, yeah. I think okay. they're the industry standard uh, in, in the business. There are several other data service providers that are doing a great job. Um, and we're working uh, on developing new stuff for them, um, but yeah, for now I, I, I would uh, I would recommend you know going to Coinmetrics, especially for the general public. There so, so one thing I, I did want to ask about the Bitcoin dormancy. What do you think about that massive spike on the six K break? Because I mean, uh, to me, this was kind of like a smart money. Uh, no, yeah, it's important you, you notice that because. So, so to me, to me, that seemed like old hodlers kind of capitulated there and a lot of new coins came into circulation at that point is that there's a little bit of that for sure you can actually see that this here in the first stop after the capitulation in 2000 i mean okay but anyway um what happened here it was pretty atypical as well yeah that's and what i was saying it seemed it seemed like an atypical because usually you'll see that in 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 the in the you know high price points not low price points that's when yeah. like people usually try so, to go dormant not sell out of like smart money wallets what happened in in december 2018 was 
the 5% supply move on Coinbase. And that pretty much skewed a lot of, uh, a lot of So you had a 5% move of the whole supply. Of course, destruction is going to go to the roof, right? So you, you can actually, gotcha. you should always have a caveat and, you know, check on the fundamentals to, to get the proper narrative out of, you know, pretty much any indicator. Uh, that goes for on-chain analytics as well. So, because yeah, you got you know Mount Gox tokens, I'm sure you can probably like pinpoint some analytics. Like when those got moved, you can probably see like when you know big big exchange hacks, you know some coins got moved or something, you know. Because um, yeah, so that that was an interesting metric that that I found pretty pretty fascinating myself. So yeah, and this is the supply adjusted. We found that the we tried to time adjust it for the edge of the market, and this is the supply adjusted version, which I like pretty much. Uh, you know, the, the supply curve is something like this. I'm putting it on my, my cursor. It's um, a, linear, a linear curve, yeah. Yeah, yeah, a sublinear curve. So that pretty much evens out dormancy pretty pretty neatly, and it gives you a, a very nice oscillator, which is pretty much what um, NVT or velocity, aka inverse velocity does for you, right? It, it puts the, the, the buy and sell zones in an, in an oscillator, which is much, much easier to read for for uh, you know uh, traders or or even investors right so and this is the dua ratio which is the the dormancy to utxo average age the, the formula is a little bit more complicated and it uses the other primitive which i like 30 day kind yeah. of 30 day some sums of okay got it yeah it's it's much complicated let's not get into it but it gives you similar buy and sell zones uh, and then finally this is the dormancy flow which I develop, um, and it's, the calculation is pretty simple. It's just market cap in USD divided by the 365, the yearly or annualized uh, moving average of dormancy multiplied by, by price, right? And as you can see, it gives you a very uh, neat graph out of, you can get buy zones, very there is buy zones, which you can confirm with Delta cap and, and, and the 200 weekly moving average and, and other stuff like that. And also it gives you what I call a bull, bull bear threshold, which we're about to cross. We're pretty much at the, at the same re regions on the live chart. It's not live uh, for the public at the moment, but you can easily calculate with the data. And as you can see, whenever we cross this threshold, you can apply that we're either in a bull run or a bear, uh, uh, a bear market, right? Yeah. So, 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 so one of the things I want to tell like my viewers and listeners is, uh, don't just use one. Uh, what as a trader, as an investor, you want to look for something called confluence. When you've got historical accuracy on the MVRV, when you've got the delta cap, when you've got the 200-day weekly moving average, when you've got like all these things kind of saying you know, this, this has been timing bottoms incredibly accurately, uh, then, then probability and statistically one indicator is good. But when you've got six, seven, eight, nine, all kind of saying and screaming the same thing, this is an oversold market condition. This is over. That's where you can utilize these really, really well. Cause they give you high statistical accuracy to, to make educated decisions as far as investing, especially in such a volatile asset class, because it's so much easier to hold through 30% corrections when you're already 300% up on the year with your investment, it allows you to hold through the volatility rather than buying mid range or maybe a transition period. Like you see, we're right at that red line. 
um, you know, it's, it's, it's harder to buy and hold when you're, when you're buying mid range for a lot of these things. And, you know, that's the hardest part is timing these market cycles. So, so you've, you, we, we've kind of, a, we've kind of uh, hammered out how we can use on-chain analytics to, to time the bottoms, to time accumulation zones. What right. do you guys see? How do you time maybe the volatility, the pullback zones, and how do you time the tops? You know, that's another one. When do I sell? That's, that's the biggest question that people ask. So, so, so do you have a specific metric that you guys are monitoring or watching to know when you need to exit the market or maybe at least hedge futures? Um, yeah, so in gonna go back to the Wubble chart. Um, there's several. Well, the, the first one that was developed was the Mayor Multiple. Here's a view of it. And on the very uh, on the Mayor Multiple, we're already in this threshold right here, which is 2.4 exactly. As you can see, that's this a zone. yeah, that's a pretty much um. I'm just talking a little bit about introducing some publicly available um, indicators for top catching. I know, I know, I know you guys have some stuff. So Mayor Multiple, for those that don't know, and this is, uh, this was, uh, I have it on my notes. I kind of want to get into other analytics besides on-chain. So Mayor Multiple was one of them that I wanted to talk about. So Mayor Multiple is basically how far away price moves from the 200-day moving average. So it kind of exactly. gives, you, it gives you a ratio or a metric about how far price has pulled away from that classic and why we use 200-day moving averages because uh, a lot of markets, whether it's Forex, whether it's crypto, whether it's stocks or whatever, are driven by algos, quant funds. And the 200-day moving average is kind of a classic uh, benchmark and, and standard of where they'll, they'll kind of look to maybe reaccumulate or, um, you know, so, so the mayor multiple is how far away price has moved from that 200-day moving average. So now, now we can kind of talk about it with a little more context. Yeah, yeah. So you, you can see that actually the 200-day moving average as a rule of thumb works pretty well for Bitcoin, right? Whenever we penetrate it to the downside, that's a bear market. And then we penetrate it to the upside and that's a bull market. It catched the bottom right here in mid-2013. And then it gave them the bear market as well in 2014. And then late 2015, when price went above it uh, again, the bull market began. Same with 2018 and same now. We penetrated it extremely, <laughs> extremely hard back in April. and Like a knife through butter. That, that was incredible. Exactly. <laughs> it was no resistance at all, right? So, and you can actually modify the mayor multiple um, in several factions. For, for instance, I found that the, the 365-day moving average uh, as a ratio, so the 365 mayor multiple, is ex works extremely well for bottom catching, just as Delta Cat does. And the 50-day mayor multiple also works pretty well for you know local tops or bottoms, getting divergences, all that stuff, right? So it, it looks pretty much uh, very, very, very close to a 30-day 30, 30 or monthly ROI, returns on investment uh, chart. Yeah, yeah, you should try it out. It's it's pretty cool. So yeah, I use what's interesting is I use the three hundred sixty five day moving average in altcoin trading, but I <coughs> for some reason I, I don't I don't know if I've applied it to Bitcoin too much. I think it works pretty well. Like um, as you said, the two hundred, like if you if you want a, a very good rule of thumb, uh, the two hundred week moving average has caught pretty much every single bottom in Bitcoin history, almost to the cent, just as Delta Cup. 
So that's a pretty good confirmator on top of on-chain analytics. Uh, Mayor multiple works very well for extreme local tops like this one, this one, this one, and then you get the correction. This one, as of now, hasn't properly corrected, but we may, you know, don't, don't think this may be a top that gives you the guarantee that this is a top if we go, you know, if we don't go like to the 1.6 region of the major multiple or 1.4, because we may penetrate it. We have gone through it in the middle of bull markets and exploded through it, and that gave, gave us a pretty severe correction afterwards. So whenever you penetrate the 2.4 region of the major multiple, beware, and you should not be buying there. You should not be buying, you should let the thing reset, go back to normal conditions below 2.4, and then maybe start accumulating and get right in the bull run, right? We are now right, we topped the 14K top, was right at the threshold, at the 2.4 threshold, right on it. So according to Major Multiple, we're, other, we're gonna either have a little bit more of correction, a deeper pullback, yeah. A deeper pullback than usual because we went too high or we're going to penetrate it and then it's going to FOMO in and that region is going to set up for sure a major correction that may go, um, it may go in, in more than the usual 30 to 40% we're used to in bull markets, right? So just be aware, whenever you penetrate, you don't want to be buying, wait it out a little bit and maybe you buy from, from below. Um, so this is the Bayer multiple. The other one is the, the, the one I just mentioned, MVRV C-score. Especially the C-score works best for, for catching, catching tops. That, when, that catches tops really well. Yeah. Okay, okay. So when it gets to the 10.6 zone. Uh, yep, 10.6. And maybe you can even de-risk and hedge futures or whatever from the 6.4, uh, I see. Yeah, I see, I see several peaks. Yeah, right. about seven, seven peaks. Now... As you can see, we're nowhere near that level as of now. In fact, we're near this region right here, the 3.6 region, which is right now the first, the second correction from 2012, the, the 2012 bull market. And this region right here, which was, you know, a few secondary tops after accumulation in um, 2000, what was it? 2016, I believe. Yeah. So, I mean, everything that I'm looking at um, and, and, you know, I kind of went full bull uh, around, uh, we, we broke the 200 day moving average and I thought for sure we were going to get a pullback around 5,000. Um, and so I hedged and I, and I ended up just going full bull once we, I think, I think maybe like 6,400. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I, I officially, uh, uh, in my view, the bull, the bear market officially was over after we crossed realize gap to the upside that for me signals that the bull market is in effect and prepared to the for the, for the I, th crazy. I, think, I think we probably we probably both kind of went <laughs> at the same time i in in what I, i've written about and i've done a couple of videos on is parabolic trends confound traders because they're so used to ranges and basically logical moves that in order to find entries and find like, you know, just, just be able to play the market. If you did not buy at a good level, um, then you, you, you have to sit on five minute timeframes and, and use, you know, moving right. averages and patterns on a five minute time frame because if you're looking at it on a four hour or daily, it's just, you know, just massive candles with no real structure or pullback. 
Right. And, and the, the current environment is pretty evident on that. Like, you know, now you have a very binary uh, situation where you can go to all time highs, which is pretty much the most bullish thing you can think of in technical analysis, right? In, you know, market theory, going to all time highs and breaking that, dude, that's so bullish, right? And on the other hand, you, you have kind of a parabolic structure, you know, as Peter Brand has uh, tweeted about, you Peter know, Brand, yep. yeah, the, 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 the legendary calls for, for, from his parabolic breaks and all that. So, yeah, you, you, you have a very atypical market, not even for traditional markets, let alone that. Yeah, it's, it's, it's uh, you know, I think, I think Peter Brandt issued something that we've never seen. Like people were expecting... 2017 and 2018. People are also expecting 2017 and 2019, right? But he said something about the rarity of what we saw in 2017 with altcoins uh, was likened to the only thing that had a higher, uh, uh, like basically movement was not even tulips. It was uh, German inflation uh, in the 19, whatever, 1920s. Like that was the only thing that is on par with that. So like, you know, when, when you see coins that are doing a thousand, 3000, 5,000% returns in, in a week, uh, it, it really kind of screwed up mentality of a lot of investors and traders and people didn't take profits. I mean, you know, FOMO was on a level that I've never seen. And I've been in the markets for a very long time from, uh, back all the way, even uh, like 2005 ish, 2004 ish when I was trading options and, the stock market, um, but so it's 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 very very interesting. So so to kind of, to kind of summarize, um, well actually let's get into a little bit more. Uh, one one other thing that you guys were using a lot was um, funding rates. Do you want to kind of touch on funding rates and how you guys kind of utilize that? Because that's just another non non on chain analytical tool that you guys use um, in, at Adaptive Capital. And if you guys are interested in Adaptive Capital for the listeners and watchers. Um, it is a hedge fund. Uh, it's a, I think a hundred thousand dollar minimum investment. Um, three year lockup. Two hundred and fifty by now. Yeah. Two hundred fifty. Two hundred fifty. Yeah, yeah. Because. Um, oh yeah, yeah. Okay. Legal. The, the, the race was successful, and and we are like um, being a little bit extra selective with new LPs. Okay. Uh, yeah, but uh, yeah. So so two hundred fifty thousand dollar minimum, and. Um, I, I mean, if I was going to trust my money with anybody, I'd probably trust it with you guys. Um, And and eventually I'll get some capital with you guys just because um, you guys are doing such a fantastic job. I mean, these guys are the, the, uh, I mean, first off, I know them uh, personally, so I would feel comfortable. There's so many scams, shady stuff in the market, but uh, also because, I mean, you guys are some of the most brilliant minds that are, that are researching in the market. And I've seen your guys' performance. It's phenomenal. So, um, But uh, beyond that, so so funding rates, I know has something has been something that's uh, been very spot on with the market. Can you touch on that a little bit and how you kind of utilize that? Because as we talked about before, as we're moving uh, towards you know more speculative from long term to speculation to right. high margin to um, fund to quant traders to high frequency traders, the market's shifting a little bit and it's dynamic. So so how do you kind of uh, you know utilize that information? For sure. So, you know, pretty much in adaptive, as you said, we want confluence of several preferably uncorrelated aspects of the market, right? So our basis, especially for the long term, is um, on-chain analytics. But apart from that, you can also have um, 
we, we delve into you know order book analysis uh market sentiment tools such as funding rates right so funding rates works in, in the following way i brought up the, i brought up the bitmax history of funding rates is this the data that you use or do you have like a, a specific data aggregate yeah. I, I can give a recommendation for, for your viewers uh, using TradingView. It's pretty simple. You can actually look in, in TradingView and look for BitMEX funding rates okay. by Neil Butane. Okay. Yeah, go to the chart. Open this up here. And then just look on indicators for BitMEX funding rates. And then press on the Neil Butane one. That's that one. Is it, it's locked though. Oh, there's a free one though. BitMEX funding rates. There must be a free one. I use it all the time. Uh, um, Let's take out the space. Complete to funding rates. The, the, uh, funding rates where? Let's just put BitMEX funding rates. Here it is, here it is 1019. Uh, exactly, that one. So BitMEX funding and premium index. So that's what you're going to type into uh, trading. the trading view. Uh, you can modify these colors, probably make them a little bit easier to see. Um, yellow, okay, and then do this. Right. So this gives you, um, it's a predictive value that Neobutane uses to calculate funding rates and the premium what, what does it mean the premium so the premium is pretty much the delta or the difference the spread between two things one is the perp the perpetual swap contract price and the other one is the um, the index price or the oracle what is the oracle so bitmix for the perpetual contract has to match their the price of that contract to an index on spot, right? BitMEX is only derivatives and derivatives rely on spot price all the time, obviously, right? So spot price is an aggregate or they, they call it mark price is an aggregate of uh, several exchanges. Exchanges, uh, yeah. And, and each exchange has different ones. Uh, I think I think Coinbase or uh, BitMEX is Coinbase. Is it still Kraken or did Bits they- have a Kraken. Okay, they still have Kraken? I think so, yeah. Last time I heard it, they have cracking. So that's the Oracle, basically. Yeah, and, and, and so so that's the Oracle. That's that's the uh, Kraken, GDAX, Bitstamp, Orderbook. So it's, so it's those three. They average out the price, and right. then that gives you the, the, the mark price that they use um, for their platform. And that's, I think they use the, uh, they, they use mark price instead of index for their liquidations, right? Right. Yeah. So the they have to, it, BitMEX has to have the, the, the price of the perpetual swap pegged to the spot price as much as possible, right? So in order to incentivize speculators to peg the price according to supply and demand to the spot price, they have to make an incentives mechanism out of which if there's a lot of longs, you know, the, the longs should close positions to balance the price up and the other way around. So what the premium on the funding rates, the, the funding rates are calculated based on the premium, which is that delta. So whenever you have um, the, since there, there may be so much demand for the perp, that means that the premium goes up 
because everyone's long. So in, in relative terms, uh, the market is long in comparison to, to, to shorts, right? So what BitMEX does is they incentivize long positions to close, longers to close, uh, by making them pay shorts to compensate. So, so when, it, when, the, when the, just to explain for listeners and viewers, so when the funding rate is positive, so. Exactly, which is right when the oscillator, the new butane uh, indicator goes above the, the histogram, right? It gives positive histograms, right? Yep. That means that people are overly long and paying a lot of money to shorts, right? And vice versa. So it's a ratio between, so for people listening, this is a ratio between how many people have a short position, meaning they're betting that the price is going down. And then how many people have a long position, meaning that they're betting that the price is gonna go up. And as, as he's explained, as that ratio becomes distorted, so as longs become overweighted, they have to pay money to keep their positions open. So in this instance, um, they might be paying, is this just a percentage? Like, so they're paying 0.4% or is this just a ratio? Um, yeah, it's, it's just a ratio. Okay. Yeah. Well, I mean, it can get up to, uh, you know, at some points during this market, we've seen them paying over 1% a day to keep a position open. So if you've got a million dollar position, you're paying $10,000 per day, which is fine if the price continues heading up, but if the price is stagnates or if the price is neutral and it goes sideways for six, seven, eight days and that funding rate stays there, well, you might end up paying you know, 50, 60, 70, $80,000 of a position just to hold it open if that, if that ratio stays up like that. So it's usually an indicator uh, that they use. Um, uh, and do you want to explain how you guys utilize it? So I, I think, you know, for, for it's pretty self-evident. There, there's more exact metrics to it. But in, in just to go into um, broader terms, you can actually see the spike in the blow-off top, the little blow-off top we had from... Yeah, uh, right there. Right? The, the premium and the, and the rates were extremely, let's say... Um, oversold, you could say, overbought, uh, I'm sorry, overbought. And um, that gives you a sense that, you know, perhaps you don't want to be buying at the top. Um, you can also see that when we had the bull trap back at 13.1, uh, about last week or so, Yep. the rates were a little bit higher than, than you would prefer. But after the correction, now they're starting to go negative again. So now nice. most people are short. So th this works in, in two ways, right? The, the first principle. The first one would be, you know, you want to counter trade the market. So if everyone's going long, maybe, maybe if a few other confirmators pick up, you want to go short, right? And vice versa. That's one. Yeah. And the other one, which is pretty important is, you know, you want to look at the incentive mechanisms of this. You, you have a market extremely driven by by whales right yeah uh, liquidity is large positional whales exactly exactly so look at their what 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 would what they would do in this in this environment right so you have let's say you're a whale and you want to go along but and get a lot of with leverage right and bid mix you know it's pretty much the core of the market at the moment in terms of liquidity and speculation as well. So you can actually get a sense, what would a whale would do 
to get more money, especially out of you, you know, retail trader, or maybe even an investor panicking around and, you know, having doubts about, you know, selling or buying. So a way I could go, oh, you know, funding rates are extremely expensive for me at the moment if I go wrong, right? So why would I do? I, I would much rather, you know, dump on the market at Bitstamp or Coinbase on the oracles, right? And I have the liquidity for it and close my long position, go short, let's say 10x, get profit from that and then buy from below and even pack up some leverage longs from, from the correction, right? So the incentives align for, you know, you don't want to be over long um, when the funding rates spike in such a severe way. If you go back to, to the, the, the early stages of the parabola, yeah. You, you remember that part? We were yeah. discussing the fucking rates were, were crazy for sure. Yeah. Everyone was going super short. That's short, pretty short, much short, 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 short. And then finally they went off a little bit, right? Yeah. But during that period, that's, that's by definition what traders call is a short squeeze, right? You have over shorts in, in, a, in a breakout moment, and people are in disbelief. They don't believe the rally, whatever. They go short and then they get squeezed and the market, you know, picks up. So, yeah, so you can see here, I mean, short here, short here, short here, short here. But what happens yeah. is all these shorts, you know, in through here, all through here, like everybody here was short. So when it gets up here, all of these <laughs> traders are underwater. And, if, and, if, and mm -hmm. if they're on 10x, they're at their liquidation point very, very close. So it can just take a small little whale. I mean, if, if any of these people are on 10, any of these short traders are on 10X, you know, basically at 10%, they hit their liquidation and then it's automatic buyback or automatic liquidation, you know? So a lot of these people probably just bought back in before their, their account was liquidated, which caused this massive FOMO spike. And we also saw some CME volume, but Man, I don't want to take up more of your time. It's been over an hour. Uh, you, you've given uh, so much information for people to delve into. Um, if you guys are on Twitter, uh, his handle is Kino Shaking. Um, K -E yeah, it's actually Kinosha King, but you know everyone says it's Kino Shaking, so it's Kino Shaking by now. Kino Shaking. Oh man, I thought it was like some sort of a some sort of a brand. I, I had no idea, man. Kino, Kino <laughs> Kenosha King, K-E-N-O-S-H-A-K-I-N-G. Um, and if you want to follow him on Medium, it's, it's uh, David Puel at, on Medium. Uh, and uh, yeah, so I, I really Kenosha, appreciate- yeah, the same, It's the same thing. Yeah, so uh, I really appreciate uh, all your time, um, especially going over such complex topics. I'm sure listeners, I'm sure viewers are going to ask you back. Um, especially when you come out with any new indicators, uh, when you do, I'd love to have you back on to explain those. Um, and it can be a much shorter segment, uh, so that, um, you, you know, we can, uh, concise it. And I know your time is very valuable. Um, but, uh, anything you want to say to viewers, any kind of summaries or anything, um, listeners, um, just be careful, uh, <laughs> and, uh either if you're a speculator or a, or a holder and uh, be careful. Be prepared because the market can get very crazy on a bullish perspective. I'm, I'm over over the long term. Of course, I remain extremely bullish on, on BTC, specifically BTC. And um, you know, be just be 
very, very careful about, you know, pretty much everything, even your, your tax stuff, because, you know, you don't want to be with a hundred K coins and then, you know, unable to, to get your shit together fiscally on that stuff. You know, don't I, saw, be surprised. I, saw, that, I saw that in 2017, um, real quick, I'll touch on that. I, I, I did incredibly well in 2017 but I left 50% in a cold storage with Bitcoin, but uh, because it was a like kind exchange, I was taxed on all of my profits that I had converted over to Bitcoin um, into my long storage. And uh, yeah, so I actually had to take some money out of the markets to pay for the profits from 2017. So uh, very, very true, very, very key. Make sure you're, um, and again, this podcast is about helping you guys find an edge, whether you're an investor, whether you're a trader, to help identify times when you should accumulate, when you should buy, and when you should exit the markets. So um, hopefully you guys have gotten a lot of value on this, both on uh, YouTube and on the podcast. Uh, David, thank you so much for your time. And, um, Pleasure. Um, and we'll bring you back on as a, as a repeat guest down the road uh, when, you, when, you, uh, when you're available again. But thanks again, and I will uh, see you guys on the next episode. Bye.